When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com. we got all the main players here. That's me trying to figure out how to turn shit down. Here we go. Uh... Welcome back, everybody. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40, where it's game week. Game week is here, and uh, we are ready to go. Our interview sessions are over for the week. Uh, we're here podcasting on a Tuesday or a Wednesday mid-morning. Uh, and uh, Josh McQuistion, we see his lovely face uh, on the screen in front of us. Uh, YouTube is going strong. Eddie and uh, uh, George are here. They have been uh, manning the ship on the YouTube pages. Uh, also, two of the big, biggest suckers in the Oklahoma media, uh, Eddie and George. Uh, I have a bone to pick with both of you off the start here. You've both fallen for it. Uh, congratulations. I've done this for over 20 years. Uh, look, I'm, I'm taking back my Dom Whaley shame. You have both fallen for the walk-on is the starter at running back. And you've written your st- – it's a great story. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, I think that Marcus Major's the it's starter. It's a great story. I think Marcus Major's Major, the hey, starter, isn't it, he? Well, hey, he, I, is as, he is as complicit you, as the walk-on right, is because you know Marcus what, Major Carrie, is We go the by the starter. depth chart. We Marcus go by Major, the depth chart. Go use your brain. Use your brain, young man. You are a, a fine young reporter, but your brain has failed you on this. This is – Clearly a ploy by DeMarco Murray to get the most out of Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. Uh, he's playing mind games with these with this depth chart, and you've both fallen for it. Congratulations. I don't disagree, Kerry, but you know what? You wrote was, the story. I did, you and it was complicit. a good story. It's you, a good story. The kid's a, a nice kid. It is a good story, and that's how they sucker you in. They you're just like, oh, young reporter guy. Let's let's blow the let's blow his skirt up. Let's let's make him feel like he's got this great story. And you fell for you called his high school coach and his JUCO coach. That's just called good and reporting. It is good reporting. It's fantastic reporting. But you're still a sucker. <laughs> you're still a sucker. Look, listen. Do I think Tawi Walker is going to be the starter? And no. He can't even pronounce his name, so he's not a starter. It's Tawi. 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 You just said it wrong right there. Tawi. Tawi. Look at the pronunciation. Tawi. No, it's Tawi. Look at the pronunciation guide. Now look who's the fool, Carrie. Don't start talking about... Don't tell me about (laughs) pronunciation guides, all right? I invented pronunciation guides. (laughs) Oh, God. We're on one today. I mean, you can certainly lecture Eddie about those sort of things. I told... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's just doing it out of spite That was a great start. Yeah, he's just doing... Eddie's just doing it out of spite. I'm I'm convinced. Actually, I'm not convinced. I said this on Twitter... There's just something in Eddie's brain when he gets a name wrong, whether it's Seibert or Siebert, 
He he cannot. No, it's it's not my brain. It's here at my mouth where I just when it comes out, it's that the nerves I don't, going from your brain. I, to your I, mouth. I do think that there is some kind of wiring that is uh, crossed incorrect there. But no, I I'm with I'm with you. Like I don't think I that too. I don't think that he's going to leave. Yeah, it's just the, it was the story of the day yesterday. I was like, you know, and no one know no one even knew you where this guy came from. You can say that you're with me all you want, but you wrote the story. I know, but I I wanted to look. Our job is to inform the readers. When Tawi Walker was named yeah, the starter, so who everybody's is really like the starter. I know, but everybody's like, well, who is not this the, guy? And not so the I human went and wrote, interest. Well, I went and wrote, and that wasn't the story. Wasn't human interest. It was more about what kind of running back he is, where he came from. What's the story? It's a great story. It yeah. is. It's 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 fantastic. I Will I ever write about him again? Probably not. Tomorrow was the day to write about him, so I did. I think that uh, this is good news, though, for Todd Wee Walker because last time a running back was kind of in the, uh, I guess, negative discussion on this podcast, Eric Gray went on and had a hell of a year. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think that... It, like, again. And I will say this. Uh, you have Danny uh, Stutzman on your radio show. We have... Uh, we have Trace Ford. Yeah. Trace Ford did tell us last week, like, Tawi Walker is the toughest person to tackle. I guarantee you, I, I'm going to put a guarantee. Uh-oh. I bet he scores on Saturday. It's Arkansas State. I don't care. I bet he yeah, scores. I think there's going to be a lot of people that score. <laughs> I'm just Saturday. saying, I think he scores. It's it's the team that no one asked Britt Vittables a single, single question, question about in 50 minutes of press conference. Which yesterday. I think is good. I think it means we're learning as a media core because I don't think there was any value in asking him about Arkansas State. We're not gonna show. We're not gonna talk about what I'm about to show you, Carrie. But I'm gonna just say, does this change your mind, Denny? Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, like it's your he has. He has had scrimmage video. He has yeah. had really good scrimmages. He's yeah, run he the was, ball. He well. was the best running back in the spring game but, last but year. But the the truth is, Carrie, and to your point, Barnes has been banged up. Whether it's you know having the foot surgery back in spring. I don't know how healthy he was this fall. And Gavin Sachuk has been banged up. Banged up. And That's you know what the, the message from DeMarco Murray is? You're always going to be banged up, yep. but you have to play through it. Well, and, and I was banged up. I was banged up. I mean, he ha- suffered a knee injury on a kickoff and didn't get to play against Florida uh, in 2008. Like, DeMarco knows how this goes. He's, he's a professional football player. He's been hurt his entire career, and he's learned to play through it. These are young guys. Javante Barnes, a young guy. Gavin Sawchuk has only played one game. I mean, he's to be- trying to he's trying to get them to understand you have to be better when you're hurt, or else other people are going to play. To be fair, Javante Barnes played hurt all year again yeah, last did. last year. So I mean, I, I I do think though that when we look up at the end of December or you know the end of November going into December, uh, I would be shocked if Javante Barnes wasn't the bell cow if he didn't yeah. have the most carries on the team i agree but i still stand by marcus majors getting the first carry on saturday eddie and i that's a victory yeah, I, lap I, we're gonna take i on think saturday, that that I is think. the case that's yeah, and he's that's, going that, to like i think marcus major josh is going to get more run than or i guess he'll get more room for air than maybe a tall walker will yeah and, and, and that's, healthy. Guys, that kind of is my that's my thinking is what what is you know with Tawi, like, where do you think he ends up the year? I know where I, and I get why George wrote the story. I am not with Carrie's Car- <laughs> vengeance tour. Um, but I, I think, like, I'm going like, to judge George he's gonna more harshly than back, anyone, right? Like, that, that's going to be the, the, the carry total. Like, he'll be number four, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's number five. I think Caleb Hicks is going to get in the mix. By the end of the year, Tawi Walker will be a nice story that started the year, but. 
he won't be a story yeah. that finishes. Correct. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win the Doak Walker or anything like that. No. But oh, again, I thought you. I thought you said that yesterday. I well, was he might. Guess what? I was, I was, I was, I was caught in the uh, the commotion. <laughs> the starting running back in Oklahoma should be in the running for the Doak Walker. Yes. So that's not Tawi Walker. And I understand it's Marcus Major. Yes. And it's not Marcus Major either. But it, <laughs> but there is an or there. So I'm just saying. I, I will stand more on a hill of I would stand for Marcus Major more than I would Tawi Walker. Like I, when yeah. Marcus Major's healthy, if you can get a full healthy year out of him, I'm really intrigued. I just, you know, based on track record, you can't just sit here and say that he's going to be available for all 14 games. Well, I, I, I just keep staring at the screen that shows me our recorder, like in a web interface. Like, I'm so worried that this show is not recording because that was such an explosive start. Like, I we, yelled like into the mic. I've it. never yelled on the podcast. And I, and I hooked that's up. As, a, that's as hot as I've heard, George. I that was, that up, was exciting. Oh, I was no, I understand by the YouTube comments. I'm, I'm seeing them. It's like, oh, finally, we get rational discussion between two people and Carrie's not involved. Like, Yes. Someone did call me out, though, in the comments yesterday and said, well, this is why George isn't a football coach. No, and I'm like, Eddie, no, I saw that. And Eddie is right. I mean, th- we're winning. That comment means we're winning. If we, it's been too nice on the YouTube comments. Yeah, we don't want, have enough people. I want people. more negative. Yeah, we, we know that it's just like, I mean, we could read through some of the comments on the YouTube page, go back to the old uh, ratings and reviews that we used to do uh, back in the early days of the pod. Uh, and those were always fantastic. But... Eddie's right. Unless we have people ripping and ripping us and slamming us, we don't have a big enough audience. Yet. I, I'm also tired of. Uh, we, we don't need any more threads talking about how good I look and my smile. Self conscious. Yeah. I, look, I. It's getting like it was nice can at I, the start, but I, it's getting a little weird. Can I say this as someone who goes home? By the way, I wouldn't be as mean to both of you. I'm talking about Eddie <sighs> and and George right now. If you guys would just give me a little producer credit at the end of the YouTube videos, like, hey, hey here's the bastard who's sitting in a hundred degree room well, I making to, this thing run for us. I'll need to I'll need to see the uh, the finished product first. But the the first couple shows have been great. You've done well. It's been awesome. It's actually been no, it's been really. It's fun. gone a lot better, just in terms of like what the finished product is than I thought it would. If from you the go back to like the live stream we did when we first joined on three to where we are now, like. I didn't think there'd been that much of a leap, but like it's a lot better product already, and I'm not even happy with where we are now. So, uh, YouTube.com/soonerscoop, go check it out. And for all you people that said, here's the other thing, and I gave George a facepalm uh, this morning on a on a quote tweet. Here's the thing. I go we go into this. I tell the guys, let's go 20, 30 minutes. Like twenty, that's all we need to do. 20, 30 minutes. I, it's always an hour. You well, are always going an hour. I do think yesterday was a little bit different. We have a, that was show, the yeah. longest one that how else are we going to get through every position on the team? Yeah. I mean, look, it's it was a challenge, sure. And it's it's a lot of fun too because like Eddie sits in here and puts in a lot of prep work for it, getting video uh and all that stuff. So um, no, I, I, I think it's, it, I'm really happy with it so far and it's only going to get bigger and better. So, uh, anyway, it is the enjoy, uh, enjoy vision, uh, fresh perspective, look around. Uh, we don't need to look around at the, the running back depth chart. We've covered that one so far. Uh, but we've had two days of media. We've had Brent Venables. We've had Ted Roof. We've had Jeff Levy. Uh, we've talked to Dylan Gabriel. Uh, the captains have been named. We talked to uh, Woody Washington last night. Uh, we've got to talk. We kind of put a little test out there for 
uh, the sports information staff by requesting Justin Harrington and Desan McCulloch, and they gave us both of them. So I think we can take from that. Those guys are both going to play, regardless of what if it's going to be situational. We'll find out Saturday. Uh, but very exciting first game, Arkansas State coming up. Uh, and, uh, you know, one person that will be out there down on the sidelines uh, with his 4K camera, uh, we call it 4K vision that Eddie Radosevich has uh, as well. I wish I could see into the future and I could just tell you what's going to happen this season. Have you guys ever heard about Enjoy Vision? It's the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City, and it's not even close. The combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the unofficial 40 listener is they're giving $400 off of LASIK. All you have to do is go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N J O Y with me.com and use the promo code U40 for $400 off if you're interested in LASIK. A very simple, easy process. Couple uh, appointments before to get you prepared mentally, spiritually, and uh, maybe even physically. And then uh, you're in and out. You have. LASIK, better vision than probably half the country. So just go to enjoywithme.com, promo code U40, enjoy vision. This is where you LASIK. Uh, okay, so um, I don't know. I mean, we've done so much with the YouTube stuff, but uh, we did the special, uh, you know, with uh, uh, David Stone, and we did pre-record that. I mean, it was a big discussion in the office, like what happens if he, if he picks somewhere else? I don't normally get... Uh, like nervous in any way when a kid's <laughs> committing, but, I was but like, a lot of work I, went into that. Well, yeah. A lot of work went into it, and I thought it was really good. Yeah. And I was just like, "All right, this guy, he better end up at OU because I really want this video to go out." Because there was also a lot of stuff on the back end, right? That we talked about with Gavin Freeman. I mean, I, Gavin Freeman, Andy, <laughs> Andy Bass, and then wow, uh, Eli Bowen. It, it was it was a really good show, uh, and I was I was quite pleased. That David Stone ended up uh, picking Oklahoma on Saturday. But I would say out, out of all the stuff uh, that has come out since then in terms of recruiting-wise, uh, and even looking into Arkansas State, Josh, the the biggest thing that's happening right now is the McKinley news that's out there. Yeah, a guy that I think during that YouTube video, I, you know, we kind of talked about what other guys were possible, who this could impact. And I kind of said, I, I just don't think it's going to matter for Dominic McKinley. And I'm certainly not saying that David Stone is the reason that, that OU seems to be back in the chase for Dominic McKinley, but he's got a hand in it. I mean, I, I know he said that it, that was a guy he was going to focus on. And I know talking to some people, they really hit it off pretty well during uh, the official visit they took together back at the um, uh, Champion Barbecue. And um, so I, I think that's that's got to be notable. But Oklahoma's in this thing, like I and I I'm shocked. I'm saying that a, a couple of days ago, when it first started to kind of get out there, it was kind of Monday afternoon. You started to hear kind of whispers, and just talking to some different people. I put a couple of different stories up in the last 48 hours on it, and I I just think the relationships that they have built are are really paying off and a notable one that I had in today's woke J.R. Sandlin has come up a couple of times as a guy that apparently the staff really, or I'm sorry, the, the family likes, I mean, they, they've been very impressed by him. So, um, I, I still probably lean a little bit to Texas A&M right now for him, but Oklahoma, if he picks Oklahoma on Friday, I'm not going to be surprised about it. 
Now, uh, he, McKinley was at OU's camp over the summer. Um, you know, we had video of him. Uh, very impressive-looking guy. Uh, he, is he a Baton Rouge kid? Or he's a, He didn't camp. Yeah. He didn't camp. I thought McKinley – I'm mixing him up with somebody else then. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean he. I mean he is six six two eighty. He is a big, impressive looking kid. Um, and I should say, on Friday, if it looks pretty good for Oklahoma, there's there's a decent chance we'll have some video of him Friday night. I, I am giving it. I'm giving a trip to Lafayette, Louisiana, real consideration. So, um, Lafayette, but yeah, yeah, he like I said, he is a big, long, athletic guy. Um, kind of trying to think of a good physical comparison for him. Some, because like I said, you just don't find many interior guys that are as big as, I mean, you know, as, as long as he is at six, five, six, six, uh, you know, David, as long as he is, David's about six, four. And that's, you know, probably maybe stretching just a little bit. David's probably more like six, three and, you know, a half kind of thing. So, um, Dom's a really big guy and has a lot of potential in front of him. I think talking to a lot of people, there is a feeling that Oklahoma can be the best mix for him. Um, kind of, you know, the distance that I think he wants to get maybe a little bit farther from home, but not so far from home that his family is not comfortable. They can't get to him easily. And then you, again, like I said, the human side of it, where I think he really likes Todd Bates. I think his family is very comfortable with the coaching staff. They really like, I, I've said before, they really like the um, the faith the, the, that Oklahoma is so forward about with their religious beliefs, with Brent Venables, Todd Bates, the whole crew. And I think that makes his mother feel very comfortable. And there's, there's no question. This is another five-star defensive lineman where mom is a very big piece of this puzzle. And um, I, I know there are some around Norman that think that if she were to pick Oklahoma might be her pick. Isn't it kind of uh, effed up in a way that now that Oklahoma has gotten over that five-star hill, even with something like a Dominic McKinley that has come together so quickly, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Or is there still like some scar tissue there? Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt there's scar tissue. But I, I think I, I will say I've got to give some love to the Crimson Corner. I feel like they're being fairly realistic. Like it's just kind of one of those things. Like if they had missed David Stone last week, there would be like, oh, don't even talk about Dominic McKinley, Josh. There's no way we're going to get him. And this week, it's not like, oh, we're we're getting everybody. But there's definitely a, hey, we we got a chance here. You know, kind of there, there's a there's a possibility. Um, but I don't think anybody is going to be heartbroken because a week ago they were out and they kind of knew they were out. And so I think now they're kind of playing with house money. I do feel kind of embarrassed and ashamed about the whole camp uh, McKinley thing. I feel like I could have a wife if I didn't make those kind of mistakes. Um, let me ask you, uh, David Stone, uh, he seems to be like everybody was so upset uh, about him waiting and playing games and why didn't the kid just make a decision? He could be helping Oklahoma. Like He does seem to be fully invested now in helping Oklahoma, just, just judging from his social media. I, I absolutely. And I think that's a great point. There were so many people that hated, you know, oh, David Stone's playing games on social media and he's doing all this. Well, that's David Stone. Like I tried to say, like, that's not him trying to mess with you. That's just David being David. Like he is very active on that. He's very aware of his interactions and very cognizant of just how much attention he can bring to himself in a lot of cases. But now he's using all that clout 
to say, hey, w- we want to go get Nigel Smith. I want to bring Nigel Smith with me. I want to bring Danny Okoye. I want to bring Dominic McKinley. Like he and, you know, I, I think part of it as well, Kerry, is him understanding that he's been in a place like IMG. He knows a lot of guys that come from, you know, places where there's there's good players, but they haven't seen what it looks like when a bunch of dudes are around. Like, I mean, real Alabama, Georgia, you know, Oklahoma type guys, they don't always recognize the difference. David's been at IMG. He knows the difference between a good defensive line and a bunch of dudes that are going to go play power five. So I think he understands that and has gone to work. And I, I, again, I think there, whether it's Dom McKinley, Nigel Smith, I think there is more good news coming for Oklahoma on the defensive line. Josh, with everything that went into Saturday, I think it almost kind of sort of got lost in the mix. David Stone was unbelievable on Saturday night. <laughs> that I mean, and what I love, Eddie, and it's something that, you know, we talk about with Nigel Smith a lot, like, oh, his versatility, he could play inside. And, you know, I know he really wants to play outside, but I think with his body type, he's almost invariably going to end up as like a three technique defensive tackle. I think he could be a really good one um, with David the three techniques just kind of assume like he's going to slide inside and that's who he is. And, and David's comfortable with that, but you watch him at IMG, they stand him up some like they know he's a, I mean, and it speaks to again with their level of talent for them to be comfortable sliding him out and standing him up outside. It tells you how much they think of his talent, because I guarantee you they have other pass rushers behind him who are very talented guys that are going to sign power five. But David's just so good. They said, you know, hey, we, we got to get him on the field and get him out in space, let him beat guys. And, you know, had a couple sacks, had a strip of, you know, and again, you're not talking about chasing around some average athlete. Smaj Jones, the guy that OU wanted to come play quarterback for them. So that is a really good athlete that he tracked down a couple of times. And, um, you know, I, I think even with that, you forget how disruptive he was. And I got to give a little shout out to Jaden Jackson. I thought Jaden Jackson had a really nice day. He he is a, he is a guy that it's not hard to see him being a very good nose tackle for Oklahoma in fairly short order. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people tuned in to watch David Stone in that game. Uh, if you're a casual fan, you're like, Oh wait, who's this Jaden Jackson guy? He's committed to Oklahoma too. This kid looks really good. Yeah. I just, I mean, and, He's made for it. Like, you look at, you know, Oklahoma, and I know we'll get into the depth chart a little bit, but, like, you look at those two guys they're talking about at nose tackle, Isaiah Coe and DJ Terry, like 6'2", 3'10", 3'20". I mean, big, mountainous guys that are going to just sit there at the point of attack and eat up blockers. He looks tailor-made for that. I mean, he is that kind of guy, and he is a powerful dude, hard to move off the spot. But I also think he's a better athlete than people think he is. He can create a little pressure up the middle and create some push. And you line that up against, like I said, next to guys like like David Stone. You know, Oklahoma fans will hope Dominic McKinley, uh, Nigel Smith, Danny Acquia. You start putting that kind of group together, not to mention you've got P.J. Atabare for the foreseeable future. That's that's the kind of defensive line you're trying to build. Josh, best defensive line class since when, if they're able to land some of these guys you're talking about? Or is it already there? If you – I mean, to me, if you if you'd miss McKinley – and you were to get Smith and Okoye, I think it's probably better than that uh, 06 group that was, you know, uh, Beal, McCoy, and Adrian Taylor, which obviously is a, you know, tremendously talented group. Uh, Beal was a defensive player of the year. So was McCoy. Adrian Taylor, if not for injury, is a longtime NFL guy. 
Um, so it's saying a lot, but again, it's not just about, oh, these guys are good players. It's the numbers they're getting. They're really replenishing that room. And we all forget about Wyatt Gilmore, who, again, I, I get that he's not as flashy and he's not as well known. He's from Minnesota. I mean, no, just nobody's really seen him. Um, but he's a good player that Oklahoma clearly identified early on as a take. And, you know, I, I saw something Miguel Chavis put on Twitter the other day where he's talking about one of the things that I, you know, that he loves and stands out to him the most on tape is just effort, just constantly chasing the ball. And you watch Wyatt Gilmore and you can see like, that's a Miguel Chavis guy. Like he, that energy is constantly going. And again, if you, if there's a way you could put McKinley in that group, then, I mean, you're, you're going, I mean, guys, I hate to say it, you're going back to like Switzer era type stuff. Like the, you, you don't land that many elite guys up front very often. The uh, the situation with Wyatt Gilmore, it kind of reminds me of a guy that's kind of gone under the radar because he's a true freshman and P.J. Adebore's, uh garnered all of the attention at defensive end. But I've heard they are extremely excited about Taylor Wine, who was actually on I, the on the two deep yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I was I thought that was a really good sign, almost like a. You know, because guys, we all know the depth chart is as much about messaging as it is about reality. And it felt like, hey, we're, we're really pleased with you. We want you to get some recognition here kind of thing. That's how I read that. And um, I, again, I, you're talking about a guy 6'4", 250, and, and I, you can watch his high school tape. He, he's chasing down skill guys out in space. This is a really good athlete. I have no idea how he slid under the radar for as long as he did. And I remember talking to Taylor about that, and he just kind of, he was very all shucks about it, but, um, you know, this is, this, it's a good athlete. I mean, I know we all want to talk about a and, you know, I, I know the, the Winery story won't seem to go to bed, but, um, there are, there, there's two good young defensive ends in Oklahoma's program right now. And I think it, it goes without saying just from a number standpoint and what they have to do on the defensive line. Uh, in this recruiting cycle, if you could end up landing David Stone, Dominic McKinley, Nigel Smith, and uh, Danny Okoye, and you had that as an option or option B of just Landy williams Winery, like, it's a no-brainer. Uh, oh, I, I don't think there's any question. Somebody asked me that in board chat yesterday, and, and it was just, if you could get... Um, I mean, guys, if we're talking Winery and Okoye and Nigel Smith, I probably take Okoye and Nigel Smith because this isn't just a you need a frontline guy. Oklahoma needs quality, like numbers, like they need bodies in a big way. Because you look, I mean, we you know we can talk about all these guys they need to land, but guys, they've got you know let's see four senior defensive tackles that absolutely are out of eligibility after this year. Kelly, like Luwalu, they are going to lose a huge piece Jacob of that room. Lacey. So, and, and Jacob Lacey may return, may not. So you've got to bring in as many good bodies as you can. And as talented as I, I believe Williams and area is, I think he is a very worthy number one player in the country. If I can get two or three guys for him, this is the same thing I was talking about with Missouri. I'm taking the good. I want a bunch of really good instead of one great. What what did you think? I mean, we talked about earlier, you know, when uh, David Stone was making his announcement, you saw the hats on the table. Uh, what was kind of going through your head uh, other than that being a weird OU hat? 
I, and see, and you know, again, all the us recruiting idiots, we love hat science, but like to me, when I saw those hats, I was like, it's Oklahoma. Cause those because other two, the, oh, the Miami hat and the Michigan state hat looked like we walked down the street and bought those at the seven 11. Like they looked garbagey to me. <laughs> and that one looked like special. Like maybe he bought it from, uh, Oh, who's our guy in Norman that's selling all the vintage stuff. And I, I want to give him a shout out for sitting here thinking about him. Um, ex player. Oh, we were just uh, DMing him with him the other day. Eddie loves that stuff. Uh, yeah. Peyton, Peyton, yeah. Peyton Prince. Peyton Prince. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, man, I can't think of it. Um, yeah, it looks like Peyton Prince. Like that looked like Peyton Prince stuff. Like he he'd gotten that from from him because um, it was a it was a unique hat. Like it's just not one you could go to any store and buy. So the idea that it just showed up and was just like the others that didn't add up to me. But I, I will say, my thought was very much. You know, we talked about it in that uh, that YouTube video was this is going to be a shit show if this goes wrong. This is going to be a real problem on this board for the foreseeable future, basically yeah. until they do land a five star defensive lineman. Uh, I, I, again, I you know, for some reason, P.J. Adabare never counts in these conversations. Like, I don't understand why, but it's like, oh, yeah, that didn't happen because he wasn't a five star when he committed. Who gives a crap? Like, I, I don't understand why that is the way that plays, but. With David Stone, now everybody gets to breathe. And if if Todd Bates pulls this off with Dominic McKinley and David Stone in less than a week's time, there are some serious, serious uh, servings of crow that are going to have to be served. I mean, because people, and and those people know who they are. They they need to look in the mirror a little bit. It's all the people that follow Bob on Twitter. <laughs> I, I I guess I should uh, have this discussion. Uh, so I'm 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 not giving George a hard time. Yes, you. Oh, 1, no, I'm not. R. You one thousand percent are. I it it just fascinates me why you don't have more followers on Twitter. I don't know. I because guess. like you are the you are I've said this before. You are the ultimate power now. You're the, you're the OU beat writer for the biggest outlet. You should have more than fifteen thousand followers on Twitter. And you think that's a lot. It's, it's like a good I tell, amount. It's like I tell people all the time, like, your world is only as big, you know, as, as it is. Like, it's going to get bigger. Like, there's going to be a day where you laugh, like, oh, I used to think it was a big deal when I had 15,000 Twitter followers. I don't know. I, don't I mean, have... maybe Elon's killing Twitter, so I don't know. What, what would you suggest I do oh. to, to change what I'm doing on Twitter to get more? Dick pics? <laughs> I should have. I, I, I was. I was fixing to say. Uh, does, I mean, we've all exploit seen exploit that handsomeness. Picks, like, that yeah, Jordan's out. Starting OnlyFans. That's our next project. I was thinking about this the <laughs> other day. I, well, I was thinking about this last night, actually. I'm scared of this segue here because uh, <laughs> I was. I was sitting there watching the YouTube videos, uh, just seeing how they looked and stuff like that. You're. I know. You're. I have a comp for you, like as a as a one man to another man. You're like a handsomer John Cryer. You know, pretty in pink. Uh, That's interesting. Do, do you see that, Josh, a little bit? Yeah, no, I, I can see what you're talking about because, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that there. I, I, and I, I would, George, I would fully emphasize the more handsome John Cryer. He's a movie but, star. Um, He's looking up John Cryer right now. Oh, I'm making sure that. <laughs> yeah. That would actually kind of make me uh, Charlie Harper, right? From uh, Two and a Half Men. No, that would not. That makes me uh, what? What's his name? Uh, He's bald. I'm not bald. John Cryer's bald. Well, he wasn't bald when he was well, your age. 
Yeah, look, look at put look in at pretty, pretty in pink, pink John, John Cryer. Yeah, yeah, like you'll kind of know what we're ducky. talking about. Yeah, that makes me name. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I think it's well established. People are you're either Jonah I don't have, Hill. My hair is better than that. Well, let me see the picture you're looking at. Yes. Well, it's 1980s hair, George. Oh, right. He's got, a, a he's got the flock of seagulls, dude. Somebody, somebody put one. this on the That's board. That's badass suit, Somebody though. put this on the board uh, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, so really? They compared like you to yes. John Cryer? Yeah, because it was like a gif of him in Pretty in Pink. That is a badass suit that he's wearing, a little bolo tie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's strong. I mean, look, I'll take the compliments, but I don't know if that's going to help me get followers on Twitter. <laughs> well, and the discussion was Bob Prisbilla has 39,000 Twitter followers. Like, and he is the most like Bob is he's like he he doesn't he doesn't show a personality on Twitter. He just basically retweets link and he does put some tennis stuff out there. I noticed that. I just yeah, went and looked at his exactly. account yesterday. It's like, what is Bob well, I doing? I think Bob is the one catching strays here, not George. Yeah. We need to get Bob in here. <laughs> but, I mean, he has 39,000 Twitter come followers. come defend yourself. <laughs> what did I do? Well, we're just, we're just comparing. Like, he has 15,000 Twitter followers. You have almost 39,000 Twitter. I mean, you have to be, like, beside yourself knowing that you have that many Twitter followers. I mean, I just, I've learned how to use Twitter very well. Like, you... Got to make sure you're every single day. I tweet mm -hmm, at least mm -hmm. like five to ten times a day. He also doesn't give a shit about the Sooner Scoop account. We've established that. Why? <laughs> I, I retweet everything from Sooner Scoop. No, but you don't tweet as Sooner Scoop. Like you, when you're at games, you tweet as yourself. Correct. Which I don't like. I want you to. I wanted. I wanted. I. I gave up long ago in having you take over the the Scoop account on game days. So do I need to tag Sooner Scoop in my tweets too on the on game days? Do you no? He doesn't. I, mean, I don't think Bob maybe tags he passes Sooner off Scoop. to George. No, that's what I'm saying. Do I? Well, I mean, you have to listen to Bob. I mean, he's your he's your Sherpa here. I know, I know. Been, well, it, Bob's also been doing this a lot longer than I have. And when so when I went to Denver, I lost followers. Like I had a really <laughs> I had a really good following of OU fans uh -huh. when I was a student, and they're like. Screw this! I'm not. I don't care about the Broncos. The Broncos, yeah. yeah. And then when I came back, I gained a lot more because I still had a, a very good OU following. I think you were, so when you joined us, you were like ten or eleven. Yeah, yeah. No, I've gained about four or five thousand since I've joined Sooner Scoop, which is I think is good is, numbers. And like, I think by the end Bob's of the season, I can get to twenty. As, but Bob's as high as he is because he's a part of the Sooner Scoop monster. And I just, it's disappointing to me that you, as now a part of the Sooner Scoop monster, are feature reporter. That you're not doing better. It's it bothers me, and it's not against you. I don't. I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, can go follow George Stoya. Thanks. I mean, you could have just said that. Like this felt like a long way around just to get there. Well, I mean, these are discussions that we have all the time, and I'm just relaying what life is like in the office and the things we talk about. I, I fully. It's agree not always people. This anybody I can tell you that. This and, <laughs> You need to be following George, 100%. It's only awkward when you're around me. That's basically what we're learning. Because I've somehow shit on Bob, and I've shit on George at the same time. I did lose my blue check mark today because I, um, if you change your display name, which I changed mine from For, Summer, of, Summer George of George to my actual name because the Summer of George Even though over, you're paying, they take away your check They take mark. it away for like a couple days, and then they give it back, I guess. I'm still it's not stupid. paying. I think, Josh, you're paying. Eddie's paying. George is paying. Bob's not. Bob's Maybe not I should have done. I, I got to follow what They're Bob's doing. They're paying me. Have you signed up for the Eddie? I think you could make money. Did you see their new ad revenue thing where you can get 
monetization from it? Yeah, I haven't really delved into it. Uh, no, let's talk about the depth chart. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. People have heard enough of you, George. Why don't you let Bob sit yeah, down and talk I, about it? I've talked depth about chart. it for 50 minutes yesterday, so yeah. I'm good. When it's supposed to be 20 to 30. As Bob uh, makes his way in uh, to get set up here in the studio, Josh, just kind of outside of the tall wee walker stuff, was there anything that caught your attention? I know that, you know, obviously Jaron Canick went in the mic position. That's been uh, a big question mark as far as who was going to start alongside Danny Stutzman, who was going to start opposite of uh, Woody Washington. A cornerback was talked about quite a bit. Anything really stick out to you, offense or defense? I, I mean, I guess it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that the offensive line, the way that is ordered, and the fact that there's no oars there is pretty interesting. The thing I'll – I guess the thing that I that I really notice, and I guess that I'm trying to come to grips with how they're going to work that is, I know we all think they have a five this year, and, and clearly they do. I mean, like, there's no question. There's a clear starting five. I think they're pretty confident of where their five is next year, too. Um, you look at – with Green and Sexton, I think we all assume that'll work itself out. They're not going to both be – I don't think they're going to be the two deep at left tackle next year. Uh, you've got Jake Taylor over at right tackle behind Tyler Guyton, who we I think we all assume this is probably his last go-around this year. Um, and then you've got Troy Everett and Savion Bird. Like, I, I just – I'm when I look at it, I get interested in how does that shuffle out and how does it play out within this year? Do they – do they say, okay, we kind of like where, you know, Jacob Sexton's coming along. He's healing. We were happy with where he was before the injury. So now do we slide Caden Green over the right side? Okay, if you do that, well, what do we do with Jake Taylor? Do we move Jake Taylor around a little bit? Maybe slide him into guard and he takes over, um, you know, uh, following McCade Matire's yep. graduation. So I, I think that's really interesting to see how they juggle that and how within that for next year it creates depth this year. I think one of the kind of interesting things is just kind of reading between the lines on some stuff is like kind of like how disappointed they are for Jacob Sexton that he's not able to get out there and play. It's like you almost get the feeling, Bob, of like, you know, they understand how good he can be and how much he can help them. It's like it kind of hurts them, pains them to know that he's not ready yet. It does, and but then they also realize, as Brent said Tuesday, usually it takes 12 months. Yeah. So the fact that we're basically going at a nine-month time timetable would be incredible for Sexton to actually be ready to contribute and help help out. They've mentioned, and he was out there doing extra bets. work last yeah. night during the interviews. I mean, just I mean, he I don't wasn't know why those guys are this year though. Would say that again. Jake wasn't going to play in front of Walter, but I guess you could say because of the injury, they had to go get Walter. Is that kind of what yep. you're saying? I mean, I'm just, I think I'm just saying that, you know, for his development. His de and, yeah, because he's not going to. No, being ready to go, even if they do have Walter, like, Walter could go down. Like, sure. it's depth that they're going to miss out on a little bit. And just, just like I said, his overall like development. He's somewhat close. I mean, I, I think if they were close. playing in the national championship tomorrow, oh, sure, I think yeah. that he would be cleared and ready to play. That's kind of the indication I got. I think it's, they've been pretty specific as far as wanting to bring him along slowly. Yeah, you don't want to I, rush I think it. Rouse gives them that ability. Yeah, sure. you, you don't want to go too fast and have a setback happen. So now you, you don't have to, but you could just tell that they like what he brings to the table, and now you can't just use him during this first month of the season. Because you're thinking Saturday you, you should be up comfortably in the second half, 
You want to see what other guys can do. Unfortunately, he cannot be one of those guys now. Well, and like we said, he, he, he was out there yesterday doing extra work on the sled. So, I mean, he is... He's not – you've never felt like any time we've been out there that he's being held back, you know, not to the level of, like, he's not wearing a blue jersey like a Robert Spears Jennings or Jacob Lacey was. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's working out. He's staying healthy. Uh, and you know what he could be doing uh, to continue to stay healthy is eating a lot of shrimp. Uh, PrimeShrimp.com. Go check them out. Uh, you can get 25% off your order of $50 or more just by using the promo code U40, U40. Use that promo code. Make your selections from either garlic, herb, butter shrimp, uh, New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp, the French Quarter Alfredo, lemon and cracked pepper, Louisiana boil uh, Cajun shrimp, uh, the signature Cajun season. Whatever your flavor is, uh, you can get it. And it's a restaurant-quality meal, uh, easily done at home, uh, no extra DoorDash fees or Grubhub fees. Uh, just boil some water. Put your shrimp in in less than 10 minutes. You've got a restaurant-quality meal. No, must, no mess, no fuss. Uh, just a, a great meal at home. So uh, you can get the sampler 12-pack uh, for a savings as well. Uh, and uh, that even includes free ground shipping uh, where available. So go check them out. PrimeShrimp.com. Uh, wonderful, wonderful company uh, and great product that uh, you, will, you and your family will very much enjoy. So PrimeShrimp.com. Use that promo code U40. You get 25% off your order of $50 or more in shrimp. All right, uh, Bob, outside of that on the depth chart, I mean, we we had our running back discussion at the top of the show. I don't think we really need to go over that again. But uh, we mentioned, Josh, you mentioned the you know, Eddie brought up the cornerback situation. We did talk to Woody Washington yesterday. I know we requested some of the younger guys. We, they weren't made available. Uh, but it does sound like, for as little as we heard about Gentry Williams, the players seem to really be standing up and saying, he's a dude. That's the first time. First time throughout this entire month where we actually heard some positive reinforcement of what Gentry Williams has been able to do. Jaleel Farouk, Woody Washington, both sort of mentioned how well he's been able to, to come along throughout this entire camp. And I do think cornered a little bit like running back where guys haven't been able to stay healthy. That's the one thing I've, I've heard. It's like these you know, haven't been around long enough where all of them have been able to go through the reps and you have a clear idea of who stands where because it's just been musical chairs of who's out this practice, who's out this scrimmage. And so Gentry is the guy, as Brent said, and it's an ongoing battle because I don't know if there's enough from what he's been able to do to show that he's going to have that cemented the entire way. And obviously Josiah Wagner's a guy we've heard a lot about, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how many reps he gets on Saturday against Arkansas State. Uh, and, you know, I, a lot of talk about the linebacker, but I think, you know, mostly, uh, and we kind of hit on this a little bit but didn't really go into too much detail, but, you know, we requested both uh, Justin Harrington and DeSan McCullough, got them both yesterday, uh, which would indicate that Cheetah position. And who was the third on there, was it? Who was listed as third? At Cheetah? Cheetah, yeah. Uh, Samuel Omosigo uh, and Omosigo. Shane yep. Wider. Okay, um, the wider thing I, I always like, isn't it Witter? Is it Witter? Yeah. Well, he needs to stay healthy. It's Witter. He needs to stay healthy. <laughs> stay healthy first. <laughs> Another pronunciation guy. Thank God for needed. Trace Ford. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I think Cheetah, it's, I don't know if they know who's a starter, but it seems like Justin Harrington is the guy. Uh, and I know George has got a big story coming with him, uh, but just the kind of the fortitude that he's shown to be in this position, to take, 
you know, come back as a walk-on, uh, but to really kind of find himself and fit in with this defense. He's a guy that you root for, but you also, you know, there's no reason not to root for DeSan McCullough because he's just a great guy too. So it's going to be really interesting. I think McCullough's probably the nose for the football guy, the guy that's going to make more plays. Uh, but we haven't seen enough of Harrington other than just looking at him and how impressive he is uh, to know exactly how good of a football player he's going to be. Yeah, and they mentioned that. You know, Desan mentioned Harrington's helping him with the coverage aspect, and then Desan's going to help Harrington when it comes to rushing the quarterback. And what did Brent say? Twinkle toes? Like, Harrington can't have twinkle toes. If he's going to be in that spot, he's going to have to be as aggressive, and you know he's got to be willing to be in the box and do what is necessary. And that's what we're, we're going to find out, because is it just going to be as simple as knowing if McCall is on the field, they're looking to be more aggressive and rushing the passer. And if Harrington's out there, oh, then that means they're more, they're going to drop back. Cause it's going to be like a Will Johnson, Caleb Kelly type of deal where when you knew who was on the field, what that defense was looking to try to do. And I think probably one of the, I don't know, confusing is the right word for it, but just one of the guys that you wonder, can he make the jump? Uh, because you thought that Reggie Pearson was going to be the guy at safety, but it just seems like Key Lawrence is a guy uh, that continue his name continues to pop up. He was one of the last guys that left the field last night. I noticed uh, in our in our post practice session, but uh, Key Lawrence. I mean, I think he's a guy that that is willing to put in the work. It's just when the lights go on and he's on the field, he tends to make plays that are undisciplined, and you can he get that out of his game because. I, I, I you remember uh, it was uh, Ezenkama, I think, that was playing for Tech when they had him at corner a few years ago. And it's like he was the only guy that could guard him. He was the only guy that could stay with him. And you thought, okay, they found something here. And then he goes to safety and he's up and down. Uh, last year he was up and down uh, and, and really ended up, felt like toward the end of the season they just kind of gave up on him a little bit. Um, but if he's ready to make that jump, I'm on board. I'm on board the Key Lawrence train. I just want to see if he can eliminate, you know, those plays where it just seems like he's either lost uh, or undisciplined. Yeah, and that's if it doesn't have the consistency, he won't be out there because Reggie Pearson brings it. And Brent mentioned it Tuesday, consistency. He said that a lot about a lot of different guys, but he singled it out when it came to Pearson, and that's why that's what he brings to the table more than anything else. So do we have another case of, a guy who just knows how to do his job every single time but doesn't wow. Are we in for another season of the safety that just knows his assignment, but that's all he brings to the table? You're talking about a Patrick Fields and not a Justin Broyles. Justin Broyles knew his assignment too. I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> he did. <laughs> anyway, I, <laughs> I, just, I just don't. Um, no, but I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, are they going to be better than a DeLarian Turner-Yell, who, by the way, is with the Broncos, doing well, um, playing a lot? Uh, you know, if you can get that kind of production, that's good. I mean, I think Reggie Pearson has a little higher ceiling maybe by what we've seen. Um, but I, I do think this. I mean, I think it goes back to what Brent said early on when he said, we lost a lot of people, we didn't lose a lot of production. And there's a lot more production that could come out of that secondary and I think we're going to see it. I thought the Brent stuff yesterday was as close as you're ever going to see a coach come to just flat out saying, we were awful. We inherited nothing 
in the cupboard defensively. <laughs> and, I mean, look at what they've gone out and done as far as the portal goes and the guys that are already in the two deep. Uh, you know, we've talked about this time and time again as far as them going out into the portal intentionally and going and finding guys, whether it be on the defensive line, whether it be a Reggie Pearson at safety and having to come in and fill a need that they have. Uh, they went out and they did get better, I on paper at least, defensively. I think I'm just at a point now where we sit three days away from kickoff that I don't know how much more can be said of uh, the defensive line rotation. They need those guys to be good. Todd, uh, Ted Roof's talked about it multiple times. He talked about it at the coaches' uh, uh, convention or whatever it was, uh, luncheon, uh, right at the beginning of August. It's If they can be good up front, I think everything else kind of fits itself in the back end. They should set a record for program sales uh, because if you're going to go out and you're going to get there early, sit down in your seats, watch the pregame, you are not going to recognize half this team. I mean, the, it is stark how different this team is on defense, especially, uh, and the size of guys, Yeah, uh, whether it's just weight or length. I mean, it's a totally revamped roster on the defensive side, and it's going to be shocking to you if the last game that you saw was was the uh, Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I, I'm i just super interested because I almost feel like, Josh, I don't know about you, but, like, defensive line-wise, when you look at, you know, Rondell Bothroy, Trace Ford, uh, maybe to a certain extent Jacob Lacey, even though you don't really know, uh, DeJon Terry, like, I feel like those guys are, you kind of put them on a, separate pedestal, I, you're going to get contributions from them. I'm really interested to see kind of some of the guys that are coming back from last year's team, the Grayson Haltons of the world, the Kelvin Gilliams of the world, what they can be for this defense. Uh, Halton is one that I'm super interested in. I, I thought at times last year he flashed some some playmaking ability, he not did, just, yeah. oh, he's a solid, steady player. Like he could do some things and create some problems. Now he was so young, he didn't know what he was doing, and obviously – like Brent said, that defense was a calamity. You know, and there are a few other guys like that that I that I do think are interested. It's, it sure sounds, and I know you're focused on the defensive line, but like Kip Lewis, everything yes. I hear, it sounds like that was a oh. really like he, he he's made a move. I think it's one of those deals where if he was 220, they'd have right. a real problem keeping him off the field. Um, the way that Brent talked but, about him yesterday, Kip Lewis calling him a ball mm -hmm. magnet, and then making the note as far as him playing undersized and just learning how to play like that. It very different positions, but it kind of reminded me of how they talked about Eric Stryker a little bit at the beginning of his career that he just kind of gets it. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at, even though I guess in a way they didn't technically recruit him to Oklahoma, he was already committed. Uh, but when you're talking about evaluation and them just going and finding football players and him learning under Brent Venables for the next, you know, however many years, you would have to think that he's going to come together. And, you know, I, he gets an extra star in a way for me because he's coming from Carthage where they played a high level of football as well. So the IQ already is at a probably a baseline where they just need to enhance it. Well, and that's something interesting. As you look around on this defense, there's a lot of guys that played for good programs. Like, you know, I know a lot of people don't think about that stuff, but guys that understand what it's like to win, like what, what you need to win. I'm mean, Gentry Williams, at Booker T Billy Bowman at Denton Ryan, Peyton Bowen at Denton Geyer. I mean, like you go around, uh, you know, Woody Washington won a state championship for his high school, his senior year. 
your Ethan Downs, Weatherford. I mean, you can go down the list. There's a lot of good programs represented on this defensive roster. And I, I think having some level of this is what it takes to win. These are the things you've got to do. And I understand it's high school. It's a different level. But just knowing that you've got to put in the extra work, you've got to do the little things to be better. And I think that's that has meaning. I, I did want to ask you guys one thing because I, I I was watching the press conference, but I missed the question. And Brent responded. It was something about being stacked. He was like, we were stacked? Like, and I didn't De- hear the, the question. De- I was like, did, did someone end. insinuate that yes. they were loaded on defense? The defensive end, yes. they ins- Because Grimes and Downs and Stripling and Armate, they were all coming back. You weren't losing any of those mm-hmm. guys. So you felt like you're, you're set. You don't have to go into the portal. And Brent's like, no, 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 no. We had to go into the portal at that position, even though everyone was coming back. Okay. Okay. I, I was like, I'm sure I'm misunderstanding what the question was there. Cause I, I don't know how anybody could watch that defense last year and be like, they're stacked. <laughs> they got it. Like it's just because but, uh, no, but no, I, no one left, you know, Grimes and down. Yeah. And even a guy like a Marcus Stripling signing yeah, back Stripling, up for another year. Mason, like they're, they all were coming back. So you're just like, okay, natural development in year number two, you don't need to hit the panic button and go to the portal. But then they get Trace and Bothroyd, and so it's like Brent's like, no, I know this wasn't stacked. I needed to add more. If you just take the two, like just take two guys from each position that are listed as quote unquote starters: Rondell Bothroyd, R. Mason Thomas, John, Jonah Lulu, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Code, Dejon Terry, Ethan Downs, Trace Ford. I mean, think about all the names that you're not talking about, and they're not going to be able to play all. You know, I guess what would that be? Five, be like twenty of them. Like, you're not going to be able to play mm-hmm. that many guys. They at least have so many options out there. Uh, I'm fascinated to see, like, the rotations and how all that goes uh, over the next couple weeks, especially in the non-conference portion of the schedule. Uh, and I think that they can be pretty good. Like, Rondo Bothroyd, I haven't been this excited to watch a defensive end in a long time. I don't think he's, like, necessarily going to be an All-American by any means. But I think people forget just how much... A, how much college football he's played. I Talking to him on uh, Tuesday, I mean, it's it's insane that he's coming back for a sixth year. And then and a guy like Trace Ford that has flashed at times throughout scrimmages during the preseason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed talking to Ronnell Bothroyd yesterday. Um, he's like, a, he's just a big-ass man. He's like a man. They, he's, that a grown, is, he's a grown man. And not to take away from some of the other guys that they've had around here, but I just don't feel like they've had that style of a body in yeah. a long time. Like, yeah. Isaiah was so long. He was a big dude. But, like, Rondell Bothroyd, I've been really impressed with him. And he handles media extremely well. Uh, you well, talk, I, you talk, oh, about, ahead, talk about stacked. Um, you may think that your sock drawer is stacked, but it's not. You need to get uh, some more. Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, regarding uh, Dead Soxy, how many points do you think that OU will score this weekend? I was thinking about this on the way down. I'm a- I actually thought about my score prediction. 52-13, something like that? Well, if they score 52, Dead Soxy is... Uh, they're not going to give you 52% off they, that they will give you a really good discount. It is another edition of Dead Soxy's incredible fall score sale. Uh, get into the sock game with a 2023 score sale at the conclusion of uh, OU's game Saturday uh, with Arkansas State. The total points scored by the Sooners will activate the score sale. So if the Sooners score 35 on the Red Wolves, 
The promo code will activate for 35% off. They get 40 points. Not a problem. 40% off. But the promo will cap at 40%. They can't just give the stuff away. Uh, so if they score 52, you get 40% off uh, of your order at deadsoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Score sale will run from the conclusion of the game up until kickoff of the SMU game on September 9th. Uh, you just use the same promo code you always use, SCOOP. Uh, visit deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use that promo code SCOOP at checkout, and you'll receive the score sell percentage off all orders. So uh, great deal that they try and do at least every every year. We did it for softball, uh, back for home runs, I think, in the Texas series. Uh, but this is the first time since then. Uh, the score sell, however many points the Sooner score, you'll get that percentage off on your sock order up to 40% off. So uh, go check them out, deadsoxy.com, uh, and make sure you get there. After the, a lot of great uh, combinations, the, the uh, crimson colorways. They've got a lot of new models uh, that are really cool. So go check them out, deadsoxy.com. And as always, stay soxy. Okay, Josh, I'm sorry I interrupted uh, what you are going to say there after we were talking about Bothroyd and, and, and the defensive ends. No, I, one of the things that, you know, and I know everybody, I, I think we're, I think we're just going to bypass the doom pod. I think that's just not going to happen. And I, I, I'm probably partly responsible for that. But one of the things I took as a really positive note, Jaron Canick not being like mentioned as or with Connor near like that feels like, okay, we, we think he can handle this because clearly that's what Connor near was brought in to do was to push jaron canick to be where he needed to be to realize hey if you're not ready we've got somebody we can hand this to that is gonna you know is gonna be experienced is gonna have an understanding of what we're trying to do here and to, to for him to just be the guy and there's gonna be rough spots don't get me wrong but i think it's a really good indicator of what kind of fall he had i also think it's very important this is kind of uh um behind the scenes stuff but I think it's very important he play well because, guys, I know you know you guys have all talked to him. He's a very good interview. Like I, mm-hmm. I think he'll be great. a very good spokesperson for the defense. So I, I want him to play very well. He's great, and he, I, I think he kind of gets it just as far as like what his role is. And you know, I, I think somebody asked him yesterday, uh, just has he taken a moment to think about where he stands in like the echelon of like OU athletics now, OU football being the Mike linebacker at the University of Oklahoma mm-hmm. that should mean something to him and. He gave a really good answer. I thought his entire interview session yesterday was really good. Um, By the way, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, over the next couple of years. Did you watch the uh, the first OU DNA? I did not. Put out? Yes, it was really like Bosworth speaking to the team. Mm-hmm. Like that got me kind of emotional. Like just him talking. I, it was a great message that that he gave to the, the players on the team, uh, just about his kind of journey into becoming the boss, basically, and how he struggled early in his career and. And uh, things like that. But, like, yeah, I mean, you're the middle linebacker at Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, I think being a kid falling in love with Oklahoma football, it was definitely Paul Miliazzo and and Brian Bosworth were the first two guys that that I remember. But that's a huge – I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I I just saw the – I actually just saw them previewing the second one, and I kind of was realizing i got to catch up on that. Yeah, they do a really good job with that stuff. Um, Okay, Outside of that, you know, I, I think it's been interesting, and it's it's mainly been fan-driven, I think, the whole Jackson-Arnold thing. I mean, uh, people that are still don't believe that, you know, believe in Dylan Gabriel, but it's been made very clear this is Dylan Gabriel's team. 
I do find it kind of interesting. This goes back to talking to Jeff Levy last week. Like, there is going to be a plan for for Dylan for uh, Jackson Arnold, but they don't really know or don't really feel like they need to come up with that plan. Like as the season gets going, like if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, the plan's pretty simple. You have to play Jackson Arnold, but how much he plays, what he you know how you know whether it happens early in the year, middle of the year, later in the year, like. They clearly are going to come up with some type of plan for Jackson Arnold to, to yeah, develop. It'll be based on how successful they are. I think. I mean, that's what it sounded like. Levy said last week. I mean, if they only have like twenty-one points in the third quarter Saturday, then no, Jackson Arnold's not going to play. They need Dylan Gabriel and those receivers to get the chemistry to get make sure that they're going to get rolling here in the weeks ahead. But so I, a lot. The question of it, is like, is five touchdowns enough? You know, to feel ahead to put him in. Is it six touchdowns? Like, you got to be up by 50. Is 42 okay? Like, I think that's what they have to kind of work through. And they have to have to work on the differential. You know, it can't be 42-28 and, like, Arkansas State keeps right, no, I'm talking coming, about being coming up after by 42. Them, right? yeah. if, if, if Arkansas State scores 28 oh on Saturday, there's <laughs> bigger problems than who's taking snaps under center. And it's something that Josh mentioned social media. That was the first time we'd heard Dylan Gabriel won't be here next year. When we know he has the option, he he can actually decide to come come back. So it was curious to kind of hear hear that outspoken for the first time. And does that just mean no matter what, Dylan's looking to head to the NFL, or would he even pursue another transfer for one more season? No, I, I think know. I think just saying that out loud is basically saying we have confidence that this is a really good quarterback, and. Once this year is over, he's gonna he's gonna some NFL team's gonna want him. Yeah, I I think so. And I you know at the same time I do I would be almost a little surprised if they didn't have packages by the time you get to week six and you're rolling into the Cotton Bowl uh, that you wouldn't throw a Jackson Arnold out there or maybe you do it in a certain instance in Cincinnati to build momentum in a game. Uh, I just you know Dylan Gabriel is going to be the guy I think. Brent Venables used the word undisputed yesterday that he's the undisputed quarterback here. And, you know, I, from everything that everybody has said, it sounds like Dylan Gabriel's had a really good camp. Like, I, I fall back on this idea, too, that uh, I don't know how much it, it means at the end of the day, uh, you know, talent-wise. But if he has even a halfway decent season, he's going to finish his career in the top 10 of uh, college passing all time. I mean, he has played a ton of football and I think that if they can just get a little bit of help at the wide receiver position, whether it be an Andrell Anthony or whoever, they're going to be fine. I, I, this offense is going to be fine. And if you just look at the starting offensive uh, line, you know, we've talked about it. They feel like that group can be really, really good. It's just if you, you know, how they handle adversity, how they handle it, injuries. Uh, you know, and how many times did I tell you guys to, like going back through the summer and all the uh, games and clipping everything, Seemed like OU was, you know, moving the ball extremely well at times, and then all of a sudden, it's third and fourteen, or second and fourteen because of hold, or you know, second and fifteen because, uh, you know, somebody jumped off sides, or you know, it, they just little things and small things were so plentiful last year that it makes sense why they lost all of these uh, one possession games. Like you just can't do it, and especially when you're not better than the other team, when you don't have uh, well, I guess you can't say that from last year, but they just they got away with so much over the course of 17, 18, 19, 20, even 21 that, you know, 
Last year was just it's kind of the way it was. They did not have any success in the fourth quarter in closing out games. Well, and look, this is something that we've all been talking about the last week. Um, and it's it bears mention, I think, in that people are worried about Brent Venable's game management, worried about um, he and Jeff Lebby, you know, the three and outs uh, on offense. It's very, very clear. It's become very apparent that Brent Venables during the offseason has gone to great lengths to try and improve his own efficiency. That's the like word. showing up like early. I'm like glad it, you're bringing this up because I wanted to talk about it. I, I think 11, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's he's put a lot of effort into it. I mean, it's clear it's different. Practices sometimes end before we can get there where – Last year, we would wait 45 minutes past the time that we were supposed to be there until we could get in and go do interviews. So now things are running much more efficiently. Brent Venables, seemed, you know, he talked to people behind the scenes. He's much more efficient with his day and with his time. Uh, he's in and out of things a lot more. He's not, you know, not that he was wasting time, but he's not using up a lot of time doing the culture building and all that stuff that he was doing a year ago. I And it's been so noticeable and so apparent. I have to think that that's going to also transfer to game days a little bit. I think that some of the stuff that happened a year ago, and remember like when we did the doom pod a year ago, it just seemed like we probably didn't want to just come out and say it at the time. And it's, you know, looking back on it, it's very obvious that organizationally it was a disaster throughout August and into September last year. There was so much, uh, I don't know about like commotion within the program. I just think that everything seems so much more organized this year. And maybe it's just because nobody's having to go through this for the first time under Brent. And I'm sure that he has a better idea of what he wants to uh, do day in and day out and going into week one of a season. But it was just like last year, like it makes a lot of sense why things went the way that they did because everything was just so damn unorganized. Well, and I, Josh, even you've seen it, like being out at camps and stuff and coaches that, you know, drag at Brent and, you know, he's got to have like J.R. Sandlin coming out there and hustle him off because he can't get him away from – other coaches that want to talk his ear off and stuff like he's kind of had to learn, you know, how valuable his time is. Uh, and I think the main thing is he knows, and he's been able to admit to himself, I'm hurting the program, you know, by lack of efficiency. Well, and, and it was, I, I, that was something I really paid attention to because guys, that was something I remember us talking about that first summer, the summer of 2022, where out at the camp, it just all seems so chaotic. And Brent's giving like hour long speeches to the players. And you're like, that can't be the best use of his time. Like, it just can't <laughs> be. Um, and I thought this year the camp was, was a little cleaner in that way. Like there was less of the, oh Lord, we could go and have lunch and come back and he'll still be talking. Um, so, uh, and again, I don't mean that as a shot like Brent, like he's inspiring to listen to talk, but it's, you can't as a head coach spend that much time with a bunch of campers when you still have to go show the guys that you're really focusing on around on their tour and do all that stuff and do all the other obligations that you have through the course of the summer. So I, I, I thought 
that looked cleaner from the the one window I really get into it. Um, I thought that was really clear. But what I will say I thought was interesting was him talking about how last year he didn't feel like he got to be part of the defense mm-hmm. in the way he needed to be part of the defense. And, you know, he, he was clear to, you know, clarify that wasn't a they need me. He was like, I need that. I need to be part of that. And I think that's a really interesting thing to balance because I love the talk of efficiency because I think that's really, if anything really tripped him up last year, that's what I thought it was, was there was just a lot of trying to do too much instead of focusing on this is where I got to be and this is what I got to do. But at the same time, when you'd watch those games, guys, there were times when you were like, I don't know if he knows what the down and distance is for the offense right now. Like, I don't know if he knows that situation. And I, I, I respect a head coach that will give that much autonomy to his coordinator like he did Jeff Levy. But at the same time, you still have to be the guy. You're the one where the buck stops. So I don't I, – I, I just wonder how you juggle that. Now, I think it's trickier for a defensive coordinator to live that life than it is a defensive coordinator because you've got to react and you're always kind of taking things – at value, whereas the offensive coordinator, you're kind of controlling the pace of play and the way the game is proceeding a little bit. It is a little funny, though, that, you know, you leave year one under Brent and the big discussion or talking point is he needs to become more of a CEO. He needs to become more of a head coach. And then week one of the season of year two, he's coming out and saying, ah, uh-uh. I need to be more involved in the defense when uh, he was he Ted was already Roof, the day after Ted Roof said, I run the defense. Right. Like, it, I could see from, like, the outside looking in how you would go, now, wait a second, like, who is calling everything here? It, and I do think, though, that at the end of the day that it's going to be kind of incredible to see if they do make a jump defensively, whatever that jump may be. I think that for a lot of people, just get into, like, the top 65, and that's you're moving up 60-something spots already, uh, like, Will Ted Roof just all of a sudden become a better defense coordinator because they have like just flat out better players to work with, better guys That's up front, how it works, not yeah. having to run Reggie Grimes out there for eighty eight snaps a game. I think that like stuff like that is going to help, and it should make this defense a lot better. Well, I'm not afraid to say I hope it works because not just because we all have you know a long standing relationship with Brent, but I think if this works. He said it yesterday, like he he still loves recruiting, and and, and obviously he's going to recruit very well. I mean, he's doing a hell of a job right now coming off a 6-7. and Like, you're going to the SEC. If you can make this thing work with the way you're recruiting now and have winning records, I mean, that's the only way that Oklahoma, in my opinion, that's the best way for them to, to start looking, not competing directly, but building to a program that could eventually compete with a Georgia and Alabama. Well, after after Saturday night, I, I told somebody, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things that they've done everything. I feel like a culture's in place. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the players and the way that they talk and the way that they kind of regurgitate everything that Brent says to them. Uh, they, they do speak differently than they did when Lincoln was here. Uh, I think that, you know, recruiting obviously has gone really well, bringing in a top five class off of a six and seven season. Uh, and then, you know, landing the guys that they already have in 2024, building the inroads back in state that you asked about, Bob, on uh, Tuesday to Brent. Uh, they've checked every box that you can 
They just have to win football games because that's, that's how they're ultimately going to be judged. And we need to see what Brent does in that first crucial coaching moment to show yeah. that he's grown. Sure. Not I don't a, know when that's going to happen, but and, that first stressful moment. Yeah. What's he going to do? Yeah. And not like, for instance, not kicking a field goal up in Morgantown into a 25-mile-per-hour wind uh, with six minutes left in the game. Although, I think you could probably say because they were so bad defensively, even if you go for it or if you try to punt, which Michael Turk probably would have knocked into the end zone per, Man, that was a little per, shot per Brent, Brent Venables yesterday. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I think Touchback. that uh, you know, maybe things change. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bob. It's, um, it's a crucial year. It's a crucial year for everything that they're doing down there. And, you know, they're obviously selling a vision and – of the program and people are buying in, you just have to win football games. And this schedule is going to allow them uh, the opportunity to win games and, you know, win a lot of them compared to what it was a year ago. So uh, Arkansas state coming up this weekend. Um, we will have uh, all your coverage uh, on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, also don't forget Soonerscoopstore.com. We've got the, uh, Lindsay Street coming up on Friday. I don't know. Yeah, I'm know. excited to see if uh, – I might have to run over there around 5 o'clock on Friday to see uh, – Good little man on of, the street. Yeah, what the, uh, what the scene's I'm like. I'm sure they would love to see you. I would love to see them. Maybe we should just, like, give away some merch or something for people over there. You down we for that? We possibly could. I don't know if we have a whole lot of – There's not a whole lot Merch left. that could be worn, <laughs> though, unless uh, the children are over there, like some smalls. The smalls, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, for what stock we have left, uh, promo code uh, we did it will get you twenty percent off. Got some flags left, but I know the flags have been very popular lately. I imagine we'll see some of those on game day Saturday. Um, That'll be cool. I want to see them in the back of a truck, like you know, a big Trump flag along with the one of those as well, or maybe that's, Biden if that's your choice. That's what we made them for. Yeah, that's what we made them for. Um, I I did hear that. Uh, I think that. I don't know if it's official, but I have heard that there is an insinuation that uh, the Walk of Champions is now going to go straight down Lindsay Street. They're going to drop them off instead of going oh, like south like on Jenkins, Jenkins. They're going to go in front of through on Lindsay the, Street through the tailgating scene ooh. and then through, I guess, what would be the south entrance to you the stadium. You'd have to put up some barricades. I mean. I'm really not sure. I, and add, maybe that's wrong. Yeah, add some time. That's a little bit of a walk. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've just been told wrong. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Hopefully they're uh, they're well, not in ponchos in. like the New Mexico State crew. We don't need anybody sweating to death on Saturday. You could take them through the doors, though. I mean, like yeah, they you go could just straight go, into the You could room. go straight. You could go right and cut through uh, the Switzer Center area yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. It'll be a, it'll be fun. Uh, so outside of that, Josh, any anything expected recruiting wise coming up this weekend? I did want to. I know uh, that we we hit on oh, him, but ahead. you went and saw Taylor Tatum on Friday night. I know that uh, you know maybe we want to get into that and just kind of your impression of seeing Longview, and uh, you went and saw uh, Grayson Harris as well uh, last week. That we could get into uh, to kind of get a feel for what both of those guys are. Grayson Harris, there's a lot to like there. Yeah, Grayson Harris is twitchy as hell. Like there, there is some Marquise Brown in that game. Like he is so explosive, and just one of those guys that, like, you know, from the minute he cuts to top speed is very sudden and just very, uh, very easy to see why Emmett Jones has made him a priority. I mean, you know, Grayson talked about it. 
Emmett was his first offer when Emmett was still at Kansas. Then immediately when he got to Texas Tech, offered Grayson Harris, gets to Oklahoma, make sure Grayson Harris is aware he's still got his offer from Oklahoma. So that, that's been a priority, and it's easy to see why. it was. I'd seen him at camp, but seeing him in a game with pads on and going against a good Waxahachie team with a lot of good athletes on it, he, he had a gear that nobody else on the field had. And they, they struggled to kind of get him the ball in space. Uh, that was kind of the story of my weekend is is really talented guys kind of having trouble to find room to work in. But, um, yeah, it's not hard to see him as a slot guy kind of, you know, he's probably 5'9", 165. He's a lean guy. He really is. But with Jeff Levy and the way they want to attack vertically, it's it's a real natural fit with Grayson Harris. And with, with Taylor Tatum, uh, watching him going against McKinney, you know, people have seen the stat line. I think it was like 19 for 132, and he had like 64-yard touchdown run. But, I, again, I can't overstate. McKinney has probably five, F, you know, and I'm not even mean FBS, five power five guys on their defense, um, including three linebackers that all have, you know, OU, OSU kind of offers. I mean, the very, very talented group. And he it was tough sledding for him for a while, but he is a – I liked because Taylor's such a passive kid. I kind of wanted to see what he would do when it got tough. And McKinney was jawing with him the whole time, trying to get in his head. And they, I mean, they pissed him off. There's no question, but he responded when they pissed him off. They, he broke out that run, made some plays. I mean, he, he did everything he could do in that game to win that game. They came up a little bit short, um, and I, I just think, you know, it was a deal where at the end of the game, Longview had taken the lead. McKinney comes down, makes their one real drive of the second half and hits a field goal. And then, you know, Tatum, uh, not excuse me, not Tatum, but Longview fumbles away their last possession and McKinney just runs out the clock. But it was, um, I, again, I was impressed to see him compete when somebody pushed him and to see how that would go against a defense that's probably as talented as anybody he'll face all year. Even through a touchdown pass in the game, I mean, he did a little bit of everything for Longview. And, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the David Stone stuff, but a big physical guy. I mean, there, there's between he and Xavier Robinson, Oklahoma's going to be just fine in goal line situations going forward. They've got a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of ability between the tackles, I guess you'd say. Well, they got Tawi Walker as well, just to uh, to, to clean up all messes. Now, um, did I? I saw Grayson Harris at summer camp, didn't I? Did he yes, he did. Camp? He did. He did. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good. I still have a chance at a wife then. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean I, Tatum stuff was really impressive. I mean, you, if you saw the YouTube video, we kind of we're showing the slow motion of the guys that he was out running. Uh, but he is a, he's a bit, he kind of reminds me a little bit, just body type, uh, of, uh, the, uh, the Xavier Robinson kid. Xavier's much thicker, but I mean, he's Xavier's on a different planet. They're both thick guys is what I'm saying. They're both really Mm -hmm. thick thighs. I mean, I, I think that you said it on, uh, the, uh, commitment, David Stone commitment, uh, show that, we did last week, Josh. He has a little bit of Joe Mixon in him as far as what he is yep. physically. Yep. That he, again, he's not as long-armed, and he isn't like he is a lighter version of Joe. But in the way they're put together, in the way that they play, uh, Taylor's a very skilled receiver. Ta- Taylor could have had two receiving touchdowns if his quarterback just hits him. I mean, he he just burned a guy on a wheel route 
and the ball's thrown 10 yards short of him. Like it never had a chance. Um, so, you know, and, and long views they've replaced the receiver. They've got a, I believe it's a new quarterback. So there's some stuff they're working through. I, I get it. Um, but they'll, they'll only get better. They're long view. They'll be fine in the, in the long run, but, um, and pun not intended there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I've said it since I saw him early, there is some Joe Mixon there with Xavier. I mean, I don't know who you comp him. I, you know, that, that touchdown he had in their first week, you know, Carl Albert rolls Kawita. And I know people say, oh, you know, they, they won't have any reference to that Kawita was, I, I think a state semifinalist team last year. They lost yeah. a lot. But that's a good football team, and Carl Albert just rolled over them like they weren't there. I mean, is it too cliche to say, like, Xavier Robinson has a little bit of that Ron Dane, like, Javorski Lane-type build? Oh, I, I now he's he's much, much better as far as taking care of himself than Javorski sure, Lane, sure. who always had, like, a Belly. I'm just trying to think of like but, huge but I mean, running I, I, backs. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying. Like th- there's the, there's some Dane there because like it's another like Kerry was saying like making that comp. I mean, and Tatum is Tatum's a big kid. I bet he's 205 right now. He he is he looks great. But Xavier Robinson, when we saw him in the spring, they told us he was 237. Like he is a brick, and but he moves. Like it's not, you know, Eddie, you saw him a couple weeks ago. Like this is not a great feed. a big guy who can't move his feet. He's a he's an athlete. I know that uh we weren't up for the game, but Edmund Santa Fe went up and uh, knocked off Jinx uh in six A one Oklahoma action last week to open the season. Bergen Kaiser's Bergen. tape out of that game. My God. Uh I, I need to pull it up. Um, but I know, you know, to for both, you know, Santa Fe, obviously a lot of OU connections there. Josh Iasosa helped Marius Robinson run for like 180 yards against a jinx defense that we we all know is always well coached and is obviously very talented every year. Um, but you know, Santa Fe found some found some success on the ground. And then Bergen Kaiser had nine tackles, eight solo, uh, a sack. He he they believe he blocked the field goal that would have won jinx the game from like 28 yards out. So, I mean, the only chance they had was to block that thing and he blocks it. They make a tackle. And, you know, I, again, and even what doesn't show up in the box where you watch the highlights he put out, he was everywhere. They jinx was having very real trouble dealing with him. By the way, you said, uh, Javorski lane. I immediately thought of Jamar Toombs. Jamar Toombs. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Another one of the, uh, the great, Texas A&M running backs that was just a massive human. Oh, I remember remember that it was a 2000 game when the he like run. Yep. Yeah. who did he run over was it Brandon Everidge? I think that's right cuz I think everybody was like oh god like if he can yeah, run over Everidge like book is dead right now. Oh, that was that was a violent collision. Not surprisingly book was involved. It was always going to be Well, and he wasn't he aggressive. was not going to back down either. I mean that was what made no. it so spectacular. Yeah, yeah, which is why he had so many problems later in his career because he was just so beat up from playing the way he played. That was a um, game I didn't – I was working for Sooners Illustrated back at the time, and uh, they didn't let me go to the game because I had to host a party at Coaches in Bricktown, and everyone left before that game was over, and then they came back and won it. And, like, people were coming back into the bar like when they heard <laughs> it just so they could – because they were like – I don't know, halfway home or whatever, and that was a 
Yeah, that remains. And that was the game where they were showing Josh Heupel's dad that wasn't Josh Heupel's dad the entire time. Oh, God. That's I right. kind of remember that. That's right. I kind of remember that. Uh, I I remember I was I was with friends and it, it was a that that got a little out of hand. We, we, there was a guy thrown in a pool that had a tarp on it. It it got a little 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 raucous that day. But um, yeah. So that that was my memory of that game and a lot of alcohol. I'm so looking I, at I that 2000 A and M roster right now. Um, uh, Robert Ferguson was, was the receiver that was really good. I think he played with the God, Packers he, for a while. Yep. Yeah, and and he's one of those guys that gets forgotten to time, like how good he was. He was Robert really Ferguson's good. a good freaking football player. Who Mark, was their quarterback? Mark, Mark Ferris uh, was what the was, quarterback. Yes, yep. And Colby Freeman was their their star, you know, recruit quarterback on that team. That's right. But Mark That's, Ferris wow. was like a JUCO, I think, wasn't he? Like well, he, a, he was really old, I, I, right? Yeah, I think he like was. I like, know he was a he baseball guy. I think baseball he was one of those guys came back, back from yeah. baseball. He was, mm-hmm. I, he was one of those guys that he was like the. Uh, the first Brandon Whedon that had come back yeah, and decided yeah. to play football. Mm-hmm. Bethel Johnson was another receiver on that team. One of, one of two uh, former baseball guys that OU faced at quarterback that year. In 2000? Wanky. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah Wanky. Yeah. Forget about uh, it. <laughs> kidding. Took, hey, took, he took Hype's trophy, man. Yeah, it's uh, there's not a notable name on that defense, really. Uh, Gerard Penn as, as we cl- at linebacker. Yeah, it'd be shocking how few of those names I could remember. Um, I do want to give, I, I promised a shout out here. Uh, there is a guy that I know has our pod playing apparently in his kitchen all the time. Like it just <laughs> plays on a loop. He told me he's heard it seven times in the last week, last week's pod. So uh, Bar A Barbecue, our guy, uh, Cooper, uh, down in Montgomery, Texas, wanted to give him a little love. Um, if you're in but, on uh, the uh, barbecue yeah. game, go follow him on on Instagram. A great, he, a great yes. follow. That if I can get down there at some point, I will be dropping by the brick and mortar. That place looks awesome. Yeah, I, I have I have been meaning to go by for a long time and have not gotten it done. Um, but that will that will happen, and I promise no dry ass barbecue uh, and brisket at at his joint. So. Yeah, I, looks I, great. I think I follow him on Instagram. I, so good. I know that account though. Yeah, that dude's a good dude. Mm-hmm. And he he does he he's real. He's one of those guys. It would it sounds like a shameless plug, and it is a little bit. But he also will send me. He's real into. I mean, obviously a huge OU fan, but always is good about like if he hears about a guy from some coaches that come through the the restaurant, like he'll send me a guy and I go watch the huddle and, and almost invariably the dude can ball. So he's, he's got a good eye for it as well. All right. Uh, anything else that we wanted to hit on before we get out of here today? Uh, I think Bob's just Jones and he wants to get back and watch some U S open. Of course it's that time. Gross, Bob. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Did we talk about the number one player in the country coming? Oh, Bob, you're just trying to upset me, and I'm not not today, not today, Lord, not doing it. Uh, from uh, no. from from England. Yes. Oh, there. Okay, I see what you're doing there, Bob. Yeah, I guess we should real quickly. Uh, and there's a visit list up on um, on the front page of the side in today's Oklahoma. Uh, but the two official visitors that we know of this weekend are Danny Okoye from Tulsa Noah 
and Daniel Akinkunmi, I think it's how you say his last name, uh, the big offensive lineman from London that's part of the NFL Academy over there. Uh, I think Oklahoma, I, I would pick Oklahoma for both these guys. I've got a forecast, or not a forecast. God, I'm going to get used prediction. to it. Uh, I've got a prediction in for uh, for Akinkunmi for a while now. I Clemson has offered recently. I wonder if a kid from London is going to, if that's going to resonate in the same way it would. And obviously, if there's one position where Oklahoma should be able to out-recruit Clemson, it's offensive line. I mean, Clemson's NFL production on the offensive line is atrocious for surely, a program of that caliber. Surely Brent's going to get Tom Moore to come back this weekend to hang out a little bit. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, it um, it looks good there. Danny Okoye, I, I think Oklahoma's in really good shape. I I'm very interested to see Danny and Daniel hang out because what I know of Daniel and obviously knowing Danny much better, that seems like two real, like an odd couple kind yes, of scenario. So I'm very interested to see what their interactions are like this weekend. Uh, I'd love to be kind of a fly on the wall. Um, but like I said, Daniel loves Bill Bedenboe, Um And I think they are, there's a good relationship there. He likes what he's heard from Brent Venables. And I, I again, OU we know won't pressure either of these guys to make a decision. But if Akin Kumi made a decision, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Has something changed with Danny Okoye? I mean, I think this is like the, that's the most uh, confident you've been about that front. Has like just the Dan, David Stone stuff? It may be coming together a little bit more for him than we realized. No, I know that we had the conversation last week about you know him being an in-state kid. It just seems like if they can go play good football and make improvements defensively, it'd be hard for him to turn that down or get away from the state. Yeah, I, I that's kind of where I'm at, Eddie. They've got to show him that it's moving in the right direction and give him something to believe in. And I, again, I'd, I'd love to doom pot it, but I, I think they're gonna. And I think that's that's part of my thinking. Again, I'm not over overly confident or anything. I haven't put a prediction in for a Koye. T neither Tennessee nor Texas would surprise me. Uh, I'm kind of particularly focused on Tennessee right now. Uh, though, again, I don't want anybody to don't want this to become, you know, message board craziness. Like Texas is absolutely involved. Um, but I, I just think he's a kid that has long thought of staying in home as uh, staying at home. And so I think if Oklahoma can show him that, they're heading in the right direction and they're adding talents like, you know, David Stone, like Nigel Smith, and you start to build that around. I think Danny can see the value in being, you know, one of those next guys. And I, like I said, I, I don't want to get too crazy, but I just talking to people around Tulsa, there is a lot of thought that if, if this goes well and Oklahoma kind of stays on track, then, then they're going to be pretty tough to beat. I would imagine somebody like a um, Reggie Grimes is the host. And I don't know if Reggie Grimes or Ethan Downs, whoever, between both of those guys, I don't know if you would want a better you know, representative of the current program to uh, show somebody like that around. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you talk about a room with some old heads in it that can talk to that guy with Bothroyd, Ford, Grimes, Stripling. I mean, like you, you've got some guys with some – some knowledge of what it was, what it's going to be. Um, I, I, I would be interested in him. Like with a guy like R Mason Thomas, I could see some, some mutual, uh, I, I don't know, interest. I don't, I don't know the best way to put it, but I could see their personalities meshing pretty well. 
All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, don't forget. I, I would just say this about the podcast. I mean, we're doing all kinds of stuff uh, these days, but you know, go to whatever your podcasting platform is, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so that way you know uh, every time it drops, um, which, you know, we've been pretty consistent. We'll remain that way since it's football season and everybody's vacations are over and uh, kids stuff is back in school and all that. So I just remind you, it's it's important, I think, to remind you that you sub- subscribe to the podcast because that way at least you'll know every time that they come out. And then uh, our YouTube stuff, basically anything, youtube.com slash Soonerscoop. Um, Go check it out. Eddie and George have been doing more. We've done some with Josh, and we'll continue. We're going to continue expanding on that, do some stuff with Bob, and uh, do some stuff with Josh and recruiting and things like that. So um, really looking forward to the future there with YouTube. And, of course, uh, we have a special going on on the site right now, kickoff special, uh, 50% off uh, an annual subscription for first-time subscribers. Uh, so if you've been thinking about making the jump to Sooner Scoop, uh, now is the best time to do it. You get 50% off an annual subscription. Uh, go check it out. It'll give you that option right on the site if you've never been a subscriber before. So uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.